Kaliwali, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, if the internet is to believed, <laughs> is the Arabic equivalent to forget about it. Wow. Or also leave it alone. Uh, there's plenty we'd like to leave in the past about the last time we went to Abu Dhabi. But these pesky racing drivers aren't cooperating. I am Drew Scanlon. <laughs> Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? Controversy in F1? Never. What a, what a weird race weekend. It had absolutely everything. And just loads of it. There was just a lot of us. There was an abundance of racing. Uh, lots to talk about. Everything in F1 happens so much. Also joining us, Rob <laughs> Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not bad. We're gonna we're gonna actually have to talk about qualifying in some detail, uh, especially because <laughs> right. if the rumors are to be believed uh, that Mattia Bonato might be in deep trouble over a Ferrari, uh, I, I suspect it is because of what happened in qualifying more than anything else. Oh, interesting. Well, if you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you're new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains no how the sport works and who everybody is. Yes. I mean, if this is your first episode, you can go back and listen to the primer and then binge everything. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure if a, this is a, a binge-worthy season. season, if I'm honest. I might skip some of those middle bits. Maybe 2021. <laughs> Go back and listen to that primer. Anyway, this year's primer is episode 178. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. So what do we have going on this month, Danny? Uh, this week, in fact, we are recording our uh, our patron podcast on Gone in 60 Seconds, the 1974 version, which we read the synopsis to at the end of the last patron pod and were mystified by what we read. Um, it sounds like a crazy production and a crazy movie by a crazy man, uh, maybe a crazy cool guy. Who knows? We will find out this week on the Patreon pod. I'm very excited to watch that movie tonight. Um, also wanted to give an update on the 24 hour of lemons. I have been wishy-washy on this for the past few weeks. I am going. I am going to the 24 hour of, of lemons. If you're in town uh, in, in the North Bay area and you want to go to it, I'll be there Saturday morning. Um, it's at Sonoma Raceway. The title of the race is the Yokohama Arse Freeza Palooza 2022, <laughs> which uh, judging by Pardon? the... The re the yeah the arse as well it's very British friendly I, I'm I'm a, a big fan um British and Irish sorry before I, I said Chucky Garlaw one week and now I'm calling saying British when I say the word arse um it's on December third uh until December fourth I assume it's twenty four hours of uh, dusty old cars driving around should be a good crack I'm gonna go there Saturday morning I do have to head out of town that day um so I'll be around probably from the early hours until noon if we'll do a little meetup if anyone's interested I'm sure there'll be a bunch of shift f1 people there we have a little channel in the discord um so if you want to hop over there and then closer to the date I will um sort of say the time and where or whatever on the podcast but I'm looking forward to it uh so no more race I've never been I've always wanted to go and now I literally live like 15 minutes minutes away so i kind of have to it's like right there what a what a what a fun opportunity to go do it um a massive thanks to all of our title sponsors of course kick of the arch 
Kickaha of the Art, at Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, at Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, Pyrite's Card Castle, Iron Station Studios, Alan McCrary, TelemetryDeck.com, David Mule, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foote, Abdullah Althani. If you're a Skyglass customer, you can listen to highlights on this podcast while listening to the podcast. Abraham Getchell, Enzo and Ayrton, Bunny Thorpe Snowfall Crimes. Must be getting... Uh, must be getting blustery wherever they are. Snigs, Alex Goucher, Max Faltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Humberto Roca, William Rumpf, Irvine Clinical Research, Lachlan the Maddened Man, and of course, Jason Kelly, presiding overall. Fantastic. Well, we have so much to get mm. to today, so I'm going to dive right into qualifying. Abundance. Started with a damp track, but it got dry enough for slick tires. Uh, however, at the, as the sessions wore on, the sky got darker and darker. Oh, boy. Q3 was dry to start for most. Uh, but with the weather rolling in, everyone did their best to set a lap as soon as possible. So with eight minutes to go, uh, things are hastened by one George Russell going off into the gravel after touching the grass under braking, bringing out the red flag. And in normal conditions, eight minutes is plenty of time to get going again and do another lap. But by the time the session restarted, the rain had arrived, making it impossible to set times faster than what were set on that first stint on slick tires. So the big losers here were Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc, who weren't able to do full speed runs before that red flag. Leclerc, because he was the only one sent out on intermediate tires. Yeah. So he had to pit for softs and by that time didn't have enough time. To do a lap. Well, uh, and I then, think it's too generous to say it was because of Russell that this happened. Uh, like the track was like I think the, one of the reasons Russell went off was the track was already starting to get a little bit damp. Uh, Russell hits a white line on the edge, and that now the white lines are slick to begin with. Sometimes somebody just dumps it because they put a wheel on it. But like there were already some spatterings right before that. Uh, my wife had noticed a, a close up on a tire change in the pits, and you could see rain falling in the pits before Russell went off like the gamble Ferrari took was a gamble with no upshot. This is the thing that is so wild about it. And like, look, it's so funny. Leclerc from the, from the head of that queue in the pits being like, are we the only one on inters and the sort of crickets response. And then like, yes, yeah. <laughs> but like it didn't make any sense because even if, even if slicks, like even if the, the heavens opened, like as the session began, uh, Okay, so everyone is going to go around and immediately, uh, you know, get in on inters. But on that first lap, the sort of the golden window that Leclerc would have had, probably the track still wouldn't be wet enough to to really like make a time that's going to stick. It was just well, such yeah. a. And if anyone gets a lap done on dries, you're never going to beat it on inters. If you're wrong, well, if, if you, yeah, yeah, if you and if you go around on softs, if you go around on dry tires. Everyone has that first lap to go around. If it's raining by the time you've gone around, then you pitch for inters. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the option is always there to transition to inters. But you're right. Like, it's basically like he's just like getting rid of the ch- or Ferrari rather are just getting rid of the option to, right. to, to go on to a different tire. They're, they're just going all in for, for basically no reason, because if they're wrong, they can change with everyone else. And if they're right, then everyone else is going to change anyway. 
you know, I've I've said before, you know, that like when you're kind of playing a bad hand in F1, you tend to look worse because you have to do some wild gambles and people, if they don't pan out and they frequently won't, people will ask, well, what were you possibly thinking? This is one of the few where I can actually look at it and fully just not understand what the value proposition of yeah. that was. And I think this is the thing, you know, Ferrari today issued a statement that they have no plans of firing Mattia Bonato, which is... <laughs> oh, wow, I, the kiss of death. I'm always thrilled <laughs> with my boss. It starts showing up wearing I'm not firing Rob Sapney today uh, shirt. But, like, the, if he does get fired, like, I don't know what's happening on the Ferrari pit wall if, if there is a race strategist that he... Because we, we do know he is reticent about firing people. He does not like pointing fingers... Uh, which is admirable, but buddy, come on. Like it's been a sucking chest wound for a year or more. Uh, and, and this is, this is the one where someone needs to be moved out of uh, a role following a mistake like that. And if Bonato is the guy or can't, can't identify who the person is, uh, you know, in, in their race strategy department, that's, uh, sort of making these calls, then, they're going to have to get rid of him despite maybe building some of the best Ferrari cars we, we've seen, rules-compliant Ferrari cars we've seen in a while, uh, just because like these race day mistakes are really un, un, like unforgivable and I think are maybe sapping the drivers of their will to live a little bit. Yeah, well, uh, as I mentioned, the other... Uh, big loser was Perez, who was stuck behind Leclerc on those intermediate tires. Uh, so he set a lap that was three seconds down from everybody else. <laughs> but the big winner here, your boy, vindication oh for Drew. That's oh right. My, gosh. my man, Kevin Magnuson, because he set the fastest lap before the red flag, he gets the first pole position of his career and worth mentioning that his lap was a was was a thunderous lap it wasn't like this was a situation where he was the only one that got the right. set of time right or the window yeah. was right no he killed it he was the fastest guy on the track except for the two who didn't set it um and also hey shout out to the crappy pit box for the first time ever having an, the adv- advantage of being the final pit box on the pit straight means that they could just squeak out and first they they managed when the pit lane opened they were first ones out I managed to get to the front of the field, which probably contributed which is, too. Yeah, it, it, in itself, a, a bit of a gamble because he had to sit there for over a minute with right. his tires cooling off and then bang out a lap. So yeah. uh, it, well done to everybody. Absolute pandemonium oh, in the Haas so good. Did, that, did you see the embrace? The embrace of him and Gunther was like something from like the end of like a like a like a sports movie or something. Yeah, just for I'll, just for getting pole. Yeah. You know? I love it when dudes yeah. have been around a while finally get one too, because then you yes. see the other drivers oh. hustling over to be like, you know, hey buddy, finally got one. Hey, real quick, uh, Drew, where did uh, how did Mick do on the oh special boy. weekend? He did, oh boy. He did very oh boy. badly, Rob. Oh he, boy, he uh, he did the inverse. He qualified in twentieth. Man, okay. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember that episode of Drive to Survive where is this? Is it Gasly wins the race and they cut to um, Albon and in the in Monza pulling up and he's just and the music just changes and he says I'm sorry and that was like the moment you knew he was losing his seat um, yeah yeah I think Mick was 
his qualifying has always been a problem on race day. And hey, look, he's got two races to he's got sprint and and the the race to make up those positions. And he's better on the day. Was so bad. I was like, he's got to win but this that, race. He's yeah. going to need to win this race. What a what a tale of two sons. Indeed. Um, I'll, I'll post a link to the uh, the qualifying session in the in the the show notes because it's just it's so fun to see oh, that jubilation. I've never uh, felt Magnuson's like this way in my too. life. Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. I've never yeah, felt like this that. way in my life. Like, what a moment. What a Very cool. Very cool. For a guy who didn't have a seat, you know what I mean? Got called in last minute because that, <laughs> that jerk <laughs> yeah. lost his seat. I mean, I saw the, the great uh, the, the domino meme, you know, as the dominoes get larger and larger, you know, on one end, the small end is Vladimir Putin invades Ukraine. Right. And then on the big end, Magnuson pole position. Position, yeah. Madness. Uh, so this is how the grid lines up for the sprint. Uh, Kevin Magnuson on pole, followed by Max Verstappen, George Russell, Lando Norris in fourth, then Carlos Sainz, Esteban Ocon in sixth. Uh, the next row is Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton, then Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc having set those poor times, or no times, as it were, in Q3. Then we've got Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, Sebastian Vettel, Daniel Ricciardo, and Lance Stroll in 15th. Followed by Nicholas Latifi, Joe Guan Yu, Valtteri Bottas, Yuki Tsunoda, and Mick Schumacher. Okay. Danny, do you want to take us through the start of the sprint? Sure. I think this is really interesting because uh, Kevin Magnussen at the front, right? Like, that's a scary proposition. He's never lined up there. Everything's new to him. How's he going to do on the start? Um, he had a terrific start. I don't know if those lads in the middle of the pack are used to having to like really be on it there or something, but he has a fantastic um, start. And what ends up being the actual fight is Verstappen trying to hold off the two lads behind him, George Russell and Lando Norris, who have a sort of a three-way little scrap as they're going to end the the, the, the first straight. Um, uh, by the time they get to the end of that, uh, Magnussen's gotten like i don't know five or six car lengths ahead of verstappen uh the and the only sort of real argy bargy we see is uh unfortunate coming together is between the two alpines first of all um alonso tries to go outside just at the end of that first straight retroposta i believe it's called is it um he um uh tries to go around the outside of ocon who basically leaves him no room they have a sort of a awkward crash at speed which damages seemingly the side pod of Ocon and also the end plate of Alonso then they have a second coming together the first one definitely felt like it was Ocon just squeezing him out and not really giving him any space um not that he ever likes to give any to Alonso the second one seemed to be a a replay of Alonso's incident in the US where he just loves to ride the slipstream of cars for a little bit too long he was right up in the gearbox of Ocon tried to go out um, to 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 squeeze out to make the overtake happen, and in so doing, sort of took out another big chunk of his his front wing end plate, which ended up spitting debris all over the the sort of crest of that hill on the on the back straight into the into the the start of the lap again, which um, a lot of drivers were sort of trying to avoid, which was tricky when they were overtaking. So that was kind of the the start of Alpine's woes during the sprint. Yeah, he, he then has to pit for a, a nose change, Alonso does. Um, and the radio messages we were getting through all of this, too. Uh, <laughs> oh just the most sardonic, bitter. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's Alonso when like when he's super pissed, he just starts like chuckling 
and has this tone of like, do you believe this? Great. Awesome. Sure. What else can go wrong? And that is the uh, that is now where he's gotten with uh, Ocon. That relationship is is it seems pretty much smoked. Yeah, Yeah, I said something like I've got a pit for a wing change. Thanks to our friend Mm. (laughs) or something. No love lost. Um, Yeah, not not. Yeah, none indeed. Um, By lap three, Magnuson has slipped from the lead to second behind Verstappen. And will continue to get passed by the front runners. I mean, they they were saying this before. Like, we know we're going to get uh, passed at the front here. We just hope that we hang on for points. The sprint, by the way, um, as we may know, uh, eight points for first place, and all the way down to one point for eighth place. So uh, that's what he's trying to hang on to. Yeah, one point is also do a lot for them in the constructors' championship. They're right there at the bottom. It means you know, I think it's nineteen million dollars between second last and third last, and that's what they're aiming for. Yeah, the, uh, I think trying to hang on to uh, eighth place in the championship. Uh, Hamilton is looking racy. Gets Ocon for sixth place into turn one, and by lap six has passed Magnussen for fourth. Uh, Perez and Leclerc being out of position are also passing people. Perez a little faster, getting by Magnussen on lap nine for fifth, while Leclerc is still in eighth. Uh, Lap nine is also where we get another little teammate spat, which I think is the theme of the weekend. Oh my God, yeah. Half of these teams (laughs) have some incident with their teammates. Um, (laughs) Vettel goes for a pass on Stroll for 11th place on on the back straight, and Stroll runs him so wide that Vettel has to go onto the grass uh, and then back off. And another another great sarcastic radio message from Vettel. It's just one word. He just says, okay. Yeah, which which again was the other thing in America, right? Was the Alonzo Stroll. Alonzo and Stroll were, were, were almost like the, the two worst people to meet each other because you had Stroll who just loves to like make these crazy last second moves and Alonso who likes to ride someone's gearbox so it was interesting to see both of them basically create a crash with both of their parts of that incident <laughs> right. in Brazil um uh Ocon uh got himself a five second penalty for that though I believe did he Stroll got a 10 Sorry, second Stroll, penalty Stroll, for I mean yeah 10 second okay yeah yeah yeah, well, and that's clearly uh, like at this point we're we're doing body of work type stuff. Like it seems yeah. like now oh, yeah. they are watching for how Stroll defends on these straights because they are incredibly dangerous. Like you know he yeah. uh, Seb had to go half on the grass, which is itself because the traction is so bad when you do that. Oh, yeah. Especially half the car is on, ha- half is off. It's, it's that itself is is pretty risky. Uh, but the other thing is that yeah, we as we saw the accident Stroll almost triggered with uh, Alonso could have been deadly uh and and here yeah. he is doing it again so yeah, this is something right. that they've they've really got to slap down because it, it seems like he's doing it more of late so you know it's, it's really gonna be nipped in the bud uh yeah uh, but it is it's halfway through on lap 12 here of the sprint when things really kick off because the mercedes cars look good here yeah. in brazil russell in second has gotten within drs range to verstappen uh, he opens the wing and slingshots around to the outside as they head into turn four. Uh, Verstappen has the inside advantage, though, so he keeps the position. Russell tries again on the next lap, and while he doesn't make it into turn four, it gets much closer to Verstappen through the next turn. This was just a great back and forth. Uh, it's it's interrupted by a yellow flag from Alex Albon's stalled Williams. But as we get going again, Russell is back at it, trying once more on the back straight, and this time Verstappen... Doesn't look like he has the grip out of the turn, so Russell, with his DRS open, slingshots around and gets ahead of Verstappen 
as they head into turn four, taking the lead of the sprint to the delight of the crowd. I, you could have been uh, convinced that it was Lewis Hamilton doing this for how the crowd reacted. Also, I, I just need to vocalize this for a second. I am so weirded out by Brazilians being into Hamilton. I just, I think the memory of 2008 just sort of sits in my head too much. Uh, when, when he won the championship uh, at the expense of Felipe Massa. Yeah, but I think he, he won it in the, in the fashion of a hero. And I, I think the other, but the they other were part like of it is... they were booing him for years there. So, I, yeah. But and then I was, also and I was, so outspoken about his love for Senna. Yeah, that's true. I think that that's what yeah. it is. And last year, of course, he... Was it last year or the year prior he won the race and um, uh, took out the Brazilian flag and, and you know, uh, one, of the, one of the stewards gave him one, I think, and then he, he waved it He around. is an honorary Marshals, citizen of Marshals. Brazil. Yeah. It's what, I, I, I missed the memo, I think is what happened. It's, it's, it's a me problem. I missed the memo. It was also very, yeah, it was just like very um, odd to me. I was, I was joking on Twitter saying, I wonder if Timo Glock is allowed back in the country now. <laughs> and right. then somebody tweeted me, oh, he does the commentary for Sky Germany. So he's there right now. So I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm just holding on to <laughs> old grudges too much or something. And um, it was like, it's nice to see. I just, I didn't. I guess when there's no Brazilian driver, you got to find you got to find someone to, to cheer. Someone right? who respects Brazilian drivers, exactly. Uh, so the thing that was so cool about this duel, though, is I had just assumed that it was one of those things where Russell would have a very rapidly dwindling window in which to do this move because, like, I was still thinking pretty much until race day that like okay but the red bull is a better car like the, like mm-hmm. the red bull is going to be faster it's going to have uh more more grip like russell is using up the last of these softs to stay in striking distance and probably burning through a ton of battery to pull this off and i figured like if this didn't if this if this move wasn't on he would just like fall away and not be able to sustain it uh the fact he's able to do it you know maintain the pressure for three laps was really striking and it, you know, also it just seemed like the mediums did not work for Max at all during this during the sprint. Uh, you know, once Russell was by, it was it was done. Uh, you know, Max could not keep keep hold of him at all, which you know was a bit of foreshadowing. But also, I don't know what to make of the fact that like the the Mercedes looked like the best car uh, at this this race. That seems I'm I'm just weirded out by that. You just yeah. given the season we've had. And I don't know how to evaluate that in light of the fact that I believe Mercedes have sort of made clear that they are uh, canning this concept they had for their car design for this year. They're not using that as a template uh, that they are going to build the next car off of. Uh, and if, if, if they've kind of solved some of these issues here at the end of the year, you know, it makes you suddenly leery of, uh, that decision to sort of scrap the development work uh, they've done. But yeah, that, that overtake by Russell was was terrific. It was uh, an example of, you know, I, I love the way these duels uh, unfold where drivers try different stuff. They they see where the opportunities are lurking. And when Russell got Max to commit to that outside line and then undercut him uh, in one to play for the, the second DRS zone, uh, that was that was terrific. That was that was that was great racecraft. Yeah, but you're right, Rob. Verstappen seems to be struggling on his medium tires, which is different from the rest of the field on softs. Uh, and as Signs squeezes through on the inside of turn one, 
on lap 19. Verstappen clips his front left end plate against Sainz as he slots in behind, uh, leaving himself vulnerable to the one and only Lewis Hamilton. Mm. And sure enough, Hamilton gets a run on him on the next lap down the main straight, moving to the outside and passing with ease into turn one. Yeah, and Sainz did not get a puncture because that looked like a relatively big hit, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's and that's your sprint. Ocon's car caught fire after the sprint, so yeah. they hastily had to change where the interviews took place. Uh, Alpine <laughs> says it was a fuel leak and the engine had to be replaced, but since the engine was uh, an old spec, uh, Ocon did not incur any penalty. But this is how the sprint ended and uh, how the race grid will start. George Russell on top. His first race uh, win. His, his first sprint win. Wow, first race win. It's not a Grand Prix. It's a race, though, isn't it? Is it okay? Or is it sprint? Is it sprint qualifying? They don't like uh, Formula One. Doesn't yeah. like calling it a race. I, the commentators still do. Um, yeah. Lewis Hamilton will line up next to him, and all Mercedes front row after Signs, who finished second, will start uh, seventh um, because of a five-place grid penalty for using uh, a new engine. Uh, Max Verstappen in third, Sergio Perez in fourth, Charles Leclerc in fifth, Lando Norris in sixth, then Carlos Signs. Kevin Magnuson, Sebastian Vettel, uh, and Pierre Gasly. Kevin Magnuson, by the way, getting a point for finishing yeah. eighth in the sprint. Uh, outside the top 10, we've got Daniel Ricciardo, Mick Schumacher making it up to 12th from 20th. Zhou uh, Guan Yu in 13th, Valtteri Botas, Lance Stroll in 15th, Esteban Ocon, Fernando Alonso, Nicholas Latifi, Alex Albon, and Yuki Tsunoda, who's required to start from the pit lane uh, after his car was modified under Park Ferme. Uh, all right. Well, you thought a lot happened there. Let's get to the race, Danny. You want to kick us off here? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. So <laughs> many starts. Um, yeah. So they're sort of, uh, there's a lot of like mutually assured destruction. <laughs> What's the word? <laughs> yeah. It's like you have two Mercedes and two Red Bulls, um, hanging around there. Um, so I guess there's a sort of a, a desire to not completely, um, bust into each other uh, right from the off. I don't know what it is about Interlago. It's a very weird grid because um, it's 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 on a hill, but the drivers at the front are sort of like facing down a hill, but the ones at the back are kind of up a hill. Um, so I think both benefit in some way from grip, like front grip or rear grip, I think. I'm not quite sure. But it always creates this thing where there's always this weird gap in the middle. When they come down the straight, I was like looking at it. But there's always like this chunk in the middle where clearly the crest of the hill has played some sort of part in it. Um, uh, and that's what I was looking at uh, for most of the start of this because uh, they all got through uh, pretty clean. There was no, for, a, for an incident right, um, um, uh, uh, filled uh, race, there wasn't... Um, uh, much in the way of of anything at the start. I think the only thing I can think of was there was Lando Norris got past signs into the Leclerc. Into, sorry, Leclerc I into think that a uh, little area, and then we had um, a very unfortunate coming together, not just for Ugh. Haas but also for the career of Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, as as we wind into the the tight right left of turn eight and nine, uh, Ricardo nudges the back of Magnussen that spins him around right in the middle of the track, and then as Magnussen's car is rolling backwards, Ricardo tries to go around him, doesn't quite make it, 
collides with Magnuson, takes both of them out of the race. Yeah, one hundred percent. Feel that fault. Like even before the contact, could you feel like the minute you saw them in oh, that yeah. corner? Did it just feel like it was in slow motion, and you just knew that uh, like Magnuson was gonna gonna get taken out? Yeah, like I I I didn't even I didn't even exclaim or anything. I was, it was more of a like, oh, <laughs> yep, there it is. Uh, good news for Mick Schumacher, who though who got two places out of that one though. Um, so he's he's now in the points. I think he was in seventh, was he? Yeah, something like that. Um, we do get a safety car here, and it seems like Magnuson was stuck in the infield for a while. <laughs> yeah, the the safety car, or whoever it was, the car that came to pick them up, picked up Ricardo first. I was like, come on. It was, this was his <laughs> fault. Make him wait. Don't make Kevin wait, for goodness sake. Yeah, Ricardo wait, well, did earn a three-place penalty for the next race. I think they alluded action. to, like, I don't know if they were joking, but that Magnuson might have been in the infield for most of the rest of the race. What? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, did they not get him? <laughs> That's what they said before the yeah. safety car but, like, came it in. It didn't occur to me, but they said they said there's no way out of the infield uh, under like racing conditions. Like there's no like secret tunnel, no tunnel or something. Or? I guess like <laughs> it's just you're kind of stuck down there. So I don't know if they. I do not know if they were joking, but it, it, there's a possibility that uh, like for most of this race. Magnuson was hanging loose, uh, like from the infield, just watching the cars go by. Wow, they could have like maybe get, dropped him like some food with a drone or something, you know, just like a little <laughs> I snack mean, there, box. I, there is an interior like party zone. That's so maybe the, he went and grabbed the, a beer. That's the other infield. That's the that's the inside of this between the between the infield and the circuit. That's where that is. He was stuck on the other side of the infield. He was stuck on the. The not sort party of, zone. The sad yes. zone. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know why he was either. They could have... I guess that's where they crashed. Um, but anyway, plenty of conversations for crashing as the restart brings us <laughs> horrid memories of 2021. Yeah, well, I um, I wanted to just point out, we we get a message pretty early on uh, in this, this first chunk here. That Hamilton, Ricardo, and Joe were under investigation for failing to line up in their grid spots correctly. The stewards later dismissed this, saying in this quote from race fans, quote, having reviewed all angles of video and making measurements on the grid, the stewards noted that the grid boxes were slightly smaller than usual and that the driver's visibility makes compliance extremely difficult and that no driver was in a position that gained any advantage. The That's stewards funny. are therefore satisfied to take no further action. They, we we were they wondering why they didn't make year? the... Yeah, it's odd, right? Because they were <clears throat> they were wondering why there wasn't what 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 a, like that is very open shutty. If there's like a problem with your start, because it's so easy to review, so everyone was wondering why they were waiting until after a race. Obviously, they wanted to check that the grid boxes were the right size. That's so silly. It's such a funny one. Yeah. Uh, all right, restart, Danny, on lap seven. Oh boy, oh boy. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm just. I can see the inbox, my inbox <laughs> shift. I want an inbox throbbing as every word comes out of my mouth. Um, okay, so so round and round they go. Russell uh, does a decent um, uh, getaway, uh, maybe too good in fact, because it kind of catches Hamilton out a little bit, who is riding him pretty close. Well, and Russell um, Russell doesn't go early, right? His strategy in each restart yeah. is to hold it to the line so that he doesn't give anyone a toe. 
which at Interlagos is basically the way to do it, is that you wait as long as humanly possible because that's this crazy uphill long straight with a very overtake-friendly corner that you can break into a little bit harder because it's downhill and has a little bank on it. So, yeah, the, it's, the, the way to go on this one is for sure waiting as long as humanly possible. Um, Hamilton sort of seems to know that as well, but for whatever reason still gets a little bit uh, of a... Of a uh, jump or Russell gets a jump on him um, so as they go into turn one Verstappen and Hamilton are side by side slash maybe Max is ahead if no, Lewis is not Verstappen's ahead, taking the outside line into one yes. but it's a switchback so Correct. one goes straight into two yes uh, and as they enter two it is fair to say Hamilton does not leave him much space um, neither of them give an inch. You're neither right. of them give an inch, which is a known quantity at this stage. We know how yes. this dance ends, right? Is that yeah. like we will see other drivers do this exact same overtake, uh, you know, later in the race and in the sprint prior, and they both get through fine and race down the the, the first straight. Um, that does not happen in the world of Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Um, so Max isn't going anywhere. He doesn't try and, you know, find. Uh, you know, it's a tr- in fairness, it's a tricky turn to cut. You can't really cut this one because you're going to just cut, you know arrive at the scene of all the other cars and also this bumps there, and also it's a crazy right hander. So you kind of need to be on the track. But Hamilton really does not leave him any room to do it, and as a result, the two of them uh, collide. Hamilton sort of gets spat out onto the uh, like pit lane frontage road, I guess. Um, uh, there's a chunk of debris comes off what I think is Verstappen's car, and he gets gobbled gobbled up by half the pack as well. Yeah, it's his front wing. So he 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 pits, and uh, the team turns around a nose change in like ten seconds. It's really impressive. Yeah, and we immediately hear here. Hamilton uh, said that was no racing incident, man. Uh, <laughs> which yeah, it was. Which the it stewards was, agreed. Was, yeah, so I found this. Yeah. So you go ahead. I, I this is a yeah. So I wish our boys like, would play nice. <laughs> so it's a I gather it is a letter of the law situation where basically it is uh like as they're entering two uh you got Hamilton with the the front axle ahead and that means that technically it is his corner. And if the uh, the onus is on anybody to avoid a collision, it is on Max, uh, and therefore Max picks up a penalty for causing a collision. Now, I like for me this is the definition of like this is like stewards are not needed for this. Uh, yeah. This is this is not like this is kind of the definition of a racing incident because I don't think one and I don't think one and two are separable turns really when you're analyzing this stuff. Uh, this is not approaching a you know corner in isolation. The the thing that you know initially I saw some of the read was uh, you know Hamilton left him in no space and and uh, like didn't really uh, cede any room and probably bore more responsibility for that. And I I agree up to a point, but I will say like the nature of taking the the outside line into one, which is a very fast line does mean you're driving into a very tight two. Like, you you are setting yourself for, up for a very hard corner to make unless the other driver now uh, who will have the better line into two effectively makes way for you and sheds a lot of speed and, yeah. and takes yeah. a worse line themselves. And that's just not going to happen, happen between these two drivers. And frankly, 
and this is the thing, we kind of want to see this kind of action through a corner complex like this. This is exciting stuff to watch. And the fact it ends in a collision is not necessarily a bug in the system, right? Like this is right. yeah. this is the nature of uh, hard racing. It just did not feel like a situation where you needed officials to adjudicate it. That said, the you know deciding that it was, uh, you know that that Max was at fault for this did seem a bit odd, given that he was already on the rumble strip and had nowhere he could have gone. Yeah, I'm, I was very critical of Max's what I thought was a cynical tactic last year, which arguably he had to do to to win the championship. So I don't necessarily begrudge it, but um, there was this tactic of throwing his car into sort of like an apex late breaking late forcing everyone off and then uh uh, and taking the next corner by basically just like negging the other driver um and then hamilton started to cut those turns instead of be slowed down by him like putting the car in the way and then there was this constant complaint of who is taking the corner who is skipping the corner who forced me wide all that sort of stuff which i absolutely hated in this incident, at the very least, Max wasn't not doing that. He was trying to race around the outside. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, good. He's not doing... It's the opposite. If he tried to, like, throw it down the inside of this and, like, break Hamilton off the track and then turn, that would have been, oh, he's doing the 2021 thing again. I hate this. It sucks. Um, to his credit, he doesn't do that. I, I totally hear what you're saying. I think it's optimistic for him to think that Hamilton's just going to, like, give him the space. He doesn't need to give him the space. Um but obviously it takes two to tango and Hamilton is also knows that Verstappen's not going to pull out of that situation. So I'm with you. I think this is racing incident. I think at least if we, the the reprimand that he got is about the least thing they can give him. They gave him a five second penalty, which is on the face of it at probably Interlagos as well. Isn't that bad? Um, But obviously the damage to his car was ultimately the thing that ruined his race, not the penalty. And that is on him. And and Lewis, but mostly on him because he was the one that decided to attempt the uh, attempt the overtake. So yeah, to me, I, I'm I'm <clears> the same <throat> as you. I think it's a racing incident, and ultimately Max um, compromised his own race. Yeah, the stewards did say that Max Verstappen was predominantly to blame, not wholly, uh, yeah. and they also said. Uh, sort of his explanation, <clears throat> Verstappen attempted to, this is from Autosport, by the way, Verstappen attempted to pass Hamilton on the outside of turn one by breaking very late. He did not complete the pass in turn one and his excess speed compromised his entry into turn two, at which point he made contact with Hamilton. So, so it, in a way, I guess from their perspective, it is exactly what he did last year, just on the other side, <laughs> just on the outside, not the inside. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's it should yeah, it's as much as you said, the incident between um, Ricardo and Magnussen was inevitable. The minute you saw Max Corendi outside, you were like, oh, boy, here we go. Well, yeah. yep. and it is striking the degree these two have both at various points made decisions and like underscored these with statements following them that like they regard their uh, battles on track like a game of chicken. And one of the things yeah. that I remember in like... Uh, like in my background as a international relations person, everything like new, like nuclear game theory and such like that is one of the, you know, but this, this extends to the whole like game of chicken metaphor. The surest way to win it is at the start of, you know, two cars driving each other. One person throws the wheel out the window 
uh, and the other person right. can see it. And now they know you're not going to. You are not going to swerve, so you're just going to have to bail out. They've both made clear that they are willing to throw the wheel outside the cockpit uh, <laughs> and just let, <laughs> let let God decide uh, what what's going to happen. And it is, you know, it was clearly a decision that Lewis reached uh, just as he saw how, like, Max tended to race and how Max used, like, that sort of pointed aggression to force people to yield when they shouldn't have had to. Uh, and so once you had Lewis, like, start applying a different rule to Max, I think Max, uh, you know, made clear that those were indeed the rules that he was going to accept when they had that incident at Monza. Uh, last year when he says that's what happens when you don't give me space uh yeah and so now and i think forever these guys are just not going to back out of corners yeah Um, that's that's and that's the problem is that like we're stuck with this like weird relationship that they have because this is not necessarily normal there has been plenty of championship like battles over the years between drivers who are you know of equal skill that that give space and settle it without resulting in these sort of like you said chicken incidents but that's what we've come to have to endure and like you said endure endure or enjoy enjoy. like i think like the thing (laughs) is the stuff i I think to a degree like this stuff is like legendary shit it's it's good (laughs) racing in a lot of ways i think the part that's hard to endure is the more likely it attends it uh, so often, like in just in the way, like social media and fandom has changed, right? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, over the years, where this turns into a weirder conversation uh, in between races. But as we'll get to, it does not. It is not made easier by the fact that the personalities, and particularly Max's personality, find so many ways and opportunities to bubble to the fore of the conversation, mm. no matter what is happening. Yeah. Well said. Uh, mm. Hamilton, meanwhile, rejoins the pack around eighth place. And a couple of corners later, we get another incident. Norris and Leclerc fighting over third place. And with Leclerc barely ahead on the outside, Norris takes a curb on the inside and they touch wheels, spinning Leclerc off the track head first into a wall. Uh, Norris is fine and Leclerc somehow gets going again. Yeah. Though he rejoins in the back of the field behind Verstappen. Uh, I was kind of bothered. I didn't. I don't think they showed us him rejoining. I was sitting there for like no. a minute and a half, being like, "Where's the safety car?" Yeah, and then I saw that like it just wasn't called, and he was still out on track. And there were a couple. There were just a couple moments where like it just felt felt like TV production missed stuff or did not follow up with stuff. Uh, in in terms of there like, was a lot showcasing going on this race. There was yeah, but like he looked like he was in that wall, and uh, the fact that he like you know goes on with the race is uh you know kind of astonishing yeah uh hamilton wastes no time clawing back those positions and gets mick schumacher uh on lap nine for seventh uh sebastian vettel on lap 14 for fifth and norris on lap 15 for fourth place all on the main straight a few other big movers here signs got norris for third on lap nine vettel got norris for lap uh, uh for fifth on lap 17 botas also looking good this race Gets Gasly for seventh. Power of the mustache, uh, man. Power of the mustache. Indeed. Uh, but Hamilton continues his spree, getting Perez on the main straight for second on lap 45. Uh, and by lap 52, after some pit stops, the top four are Russell in first with a four-second gap to Sainz. Uh, then healthy gaps between him, Hamilton, and Perez. 
But all of that is wiped away when a safety car is brought out for a stricken Lando Norris. Yeah, at at the same position that Ricardo crashed out, Lando Norris' car decides to sort of empathetically decides to burst into flames and pull off at at that exact same. Maybe he wanted to hang out with K-Mag in the infield. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And before we get going again, if you watch the race, you may have noticed that when the time came for lapped cars to uh, (laughs) unlap themselves behind the safety car... Uh-oh. Everyone did so except for Sonoda. Yuki was he liked where he was. It was fun <laughs> to be in the mix and he was just he was getting the vibes. He was getting champion vibes and he was enjoying it. So the race <laughs> then restarted with him having not unlapped himself. He just pulled over. Did you see? Yeah. Yeah. He just had the past. Yeah, it was the <laughs> smart the, thing to do, like let everyone go ahead, but do do we know why he wasn't unlapped? Yes. Okay. Okay. So in the wake of Abu Dhabi 2021, there oh. is now a system that automatically flags cars that have been lapped. So you know which ones need to overtake. Okay. Because that was the big thing about 2021. Abu Dhabi was what? like only some of the cars but that were wasn't, allowed to. But that was, it wasn't, he, it was, I guess we're just going to pretend what it was. All that right. was a decision. The fact, that yes, the fact is now we're codifying <laughs> it. And okay. these are the ones. Which cars were lapped. <laughs> Yes. Um, so this article from Autosport explains it. Uh, when when the safety car came out in Brazil, the three lapped cars were the Alpha Tori of Sunoda, the Williams pairing, and the Williams pairing of Alex Albon and Nicholas Latifi. Sunoda was right behind leader George Russell in the queue when Alpha Tauri took the opportunity to pit the Japanese driver for new tires. Mm. In so doing, he actually passed Russell in the pit lane. Thus, technically, briefly unlapping himself. So, in the oh, eyes funny. of the software, he had already unlapped himself. Oh, that's so funny. he didn't need to pass the safety that's car. That's funny. That's funny. So, so you didn't need so the software. He, he, he came out of the pits and was like, "I'm in third. <laughs> uh, so he he is of course confused and initially passes signs, and this actually has some implications later in the race. Uh, so he initially passes signs, but then gives the place back before the restart. And then on the restart, like you said, he moved to the side and let the whole field pass. Back to Autosport here. As a result, Sonoda was left stranded in last place as the only lapped car, having lost out to both Albon and Latifi. He should have beaten both of them with his fresh tires and might have even been able to make up more places had he been in his rightful position at the restart. So he lost two places because of this snafu. Wow. Madness. So, speaking of Carlos Sainz, he takes a cheap pit stop under the safety car, dropping him to fourth behind Perez and, again, ahead of Tsunoda. But on the restart, as his new tires come in, he closes up to Perez and by lap 61 uh, has a go. Perez staying ahead this time. Uh, Behind them, Alonso gets by Botas for sixth. And I should point out here that Leclerc, who's just behind Sainz, has been on the radio asking the team to let him through because he's in a close championship fight with Perez. Meanwhile, uh, Verstappen is also gobbling people up. He does like a double overtake on <clears throat> on turn one, doesn't he? Right, but before we get to that, uh, Leclerc had discussed with Ferrari the possibility of uh, being let through on signs before the race. So he brings that up and Ferrari declines. Uh, Matteo Bonato, the Ferrari team principal, saying after the race in this quote from F1.com, swapping the two cars on the last straight was tricky because 
Charles had Fernando and Max just behind him, so it would have been tricky. But more than that, we knew that we were under investigation for what happened behind the safety car with Sonoda. A five-second penalty, for example, would mean that Carlos would have been losing more than one position. Okay. So for the Constructors' Championship, it was certainly better to stick with the positions and the gaps on track. Interesting. That's why when they came over Team Radio at the end of the race, he said that we have our reasons and Leclerc, and he said, we'll talk to you afterwards. And Leclerc was like, well, I don't know what your reasons are. I figured the reasons were as hard as it is for play, for drivers to swap places. And there was a lot of that this weekend. Um, taking a podium from someone is a whole other yeah. kettle of fish. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what I thought it was. But actually, it's interesting to hear that because that is a fairly uh, sensible um, reason from Ferrari. Yeah. So, Leclerc, by the way, was at the back of the field earlier, yeah. which so I'm this is impressive. Yeah, uh, it yeah. is. It is impressive. I think the radio messages were not is is the thing like I, I think well, they had talked about it. Yeah. I don't, uh, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> two laps later, lap 63, Signs does get his man passing Perez on the back straight for third place. Um, and of course, you're right, Danny, we can't forget about Verstappen, who has been climbing his way back up since serving his time penalty at the last pit stop. He passes Botas and Ocon in the same corner, turn one, for seventh place on lap 62. And uh, his teammate is going in the opposite direction. Perez now getting passed mm. by Leclerc for fifth. He's on mediums. Um, Perez is then passed by Alonso a lap later on the back straight for fifth. Uh and so the ascendant Verstappen and the descendant Perez meet on lap 67. Perez being told to let Verstappen by so that Verstappen can chase after Alonso and Leclerc. Not that he has um, much of a say anyway. Like, like Verstappen will get by even if he wasn't letting him by. There are, you know, he's, he can't get held up behind him necessarily either. Right. They don't want an incident, though. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he's told that if Verstappen doesn't get by Alonso by the last lap, Verstappen will give the place back to Perez, who is in a close fight again with Leclerc for a second in the driver's championship. But as the race comes to a close, Verstappen still hasn't passed Alonso. And despite those team orders finishes ahead of Perez and, and multiple protestations from his engineer, yeah, I've um, got a transcript here from race fans. Okay, yeah, uh, his engineer okay, says, yes. lay it on me. Because on the broadcast, we get what they show is the last call, which was like, let Checo buy, please. As mm. he's coming around, like the literally the last corner onto the straight, at which point I was like, it seems like that ship sailed, and it's kind of weird. Like, like the defense I, I oh, could no. see the whole was lap. like, the whole lap. they left it too long, but they were begging yeah. him the entire lap. Yeah. Hit, yeah, hit so. me with this transcript, baby. Yeah, and uh, engineer says, this is the final lap, Max. Max, if we don't pass Fernando on the exit of turn 12, can we let Checo through, please? Let Checo back through. No response. Later, don't worry about the DRS, Max. Let Checo through. Max, let Checo through, please. And then the race finishes, and his engineer says, Max, what happened? To which Verstappen replies, I told you already last time, you guys, don't ask that again to me, okay? Are we clear about that? I gave my reasons, and I stand by it. Was there anything uh, else? I heard Jean-Pierre Lambiasi saying, like, uh, he, he comes over with that, like, crazy dad energy, disappointed dad energy. But I thought, Max, then, did you reference something about last summer? Or was said, that... Yeah, there was something about last summer. Summer, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll pull it up, see if... It, if uh, no worries. Uh, so I guess just to fill in the blank here, what I, I did not, 
I did not know to what he was referring. And then I think it was on, I think it was Brundle said, oh, that must be a reference to Monaco. And I had to like, I was like, I had to rattle through my brain to be like, what, what was the thing at Monaco? And of course it was the the tunnel. It was the crash. Checo did have a crash that at the time there was a little bit scuttlebutt. I think we mentioned on the podcast that he had had one of those weird crashes that seemed like a silly crash to have on the entrance of the tunnel um, that basically secured him. I think it was third or second, but ahead of Max. I think Leclerc had pole at Monaco. Checo would go on to win the race. Um, but a- apparently it is an open secret in the the paddock that people think Perez did that on purpose. And clearly within Red Bull, it's fact, at least on the Max Verstappen side, that Checo did that on purpose. And like outside of the, we'll have plenty of conversations, I'm sure, about how what we think about Max not giving him the position or or how that looks on Max. If that's true... Like, that needs to be looked into. If that's, like, an open secret that Red Bull really don't want to give air to, like, that's... that The, the crash that Checo did did result in the crash of another driver. Carlos Sainz drove into Checo Perez's car. Granted, low speed. Seemed like it was pretty safe. But, you know, Crashgate looms large over the, the history of F1, but it also is in the, in the past. If that's... If that is true, that is that is the bigger story to me. Well, and Crashgate proved that the FIA could determine, like the FIA would like look at your telemetry and say, like this doesn't look right, like this does not look like somebody losing their car. Uh, this looks like somebody choosing to lose it. So, like that's that's the other weird part. If this is festering, uh, and the FIA hasn't looked at it, that's that's weird. But if they did look at it and there was no action taken, I don't know. It just seems weird to be nursing a grudge over this. Sorry, Drew. true. Yeah. So a uh, couple of things. Number one, I, I, I couldn't find anything else. The only thing uh, after Verstappen's radio message was his engineer saying into the pit lane, please. Mm, okay. Um, and it doesn't seem like to say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll link the, the transcript in the, in the show notes. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> Perez says, uh, or his engineer in the closing stages says, okay, if Max does not pass Fernando, he'll let you through at the exit of turn 12. Then the race finishes and Perez says, okay, thank you for that guys. Thank you. Uh, Horner then comes over the radio and mm. says, I'm sorry about that Checo. Uh, and then his engineer recharge on Checo fail 84. will debrief, debrief everything afterwards to which Perez responds. Yeah. It shows who he really is. Uh, after the race, Perez said uh, in this uh, quote from Jalopnik, yeah, I'm really surprised. I don't know what happened, especially after all I've done for him. No, I think that uh, I don't I don't get his reasons and I'm really surprised. I think if he has two championships, it's thanks to me. Last year, 100 percent. Last year, Verstappen does not win a championship without Perez. Or or somebody doing exactly what Perez did, not just in that last race, but yeah. so, you know, hold, holding up Hamilton, but also for most of the year being a solid number two driver. Um, yeah, and, and and race fans points out here uh, a week before the Monaco incident in Spain, Verstappen was waved past his teammate on two separate occasions yes. on its way to victory, despite going into the race only 19 points ahead of Perez. Yeah, yeah. And on the first occasion, Perez was told to quote, "Give him a shot now. We'll pay back later." No payback ever came. Nonetheless, 
two weekends, two weeks after Monaco in Azerbaijan, Perez again pulled aside for Verstappen when ordered to. So, it, uh, in my opinion, it doesn't matter whether Perez crashed deliberately. Uh, in, in my mind, it, it seems out of place with what he had already been doing. So, it, to me, it doesn't matter because you're already the champion and you're on a team. I am of the opinion that this is something you just suck up. I don't, I don't know why you need to, is it because you want to like establish yourself as like the main driver or like you're above, you're well, above I, the team somehow. You, this, yeah. I, this, this I don't get. Thing. It's just like, I think it does come down to that stuff, but also just indicates like Max may not be very smart when it comes like when it comes to this aspect of the sport um because this was a play with no upshot this was the yeah. like intra team politics version of ferrari starting leclerc on the inters there is no gain from doing this because you're already the big dog like there is no like the team has very the only way is down yeah the, the team has made very clear that like you're the number one driver and they will prioritize you at every turn. Ricardo left because he got this vibe. Uh, like they have, they have always had his back and promoted his interests. The fact that if he thinks there was a need to demonstrate, and that's definitely what he was doing over that radio of you can't control me. I'm in charge here. I'm going to do what I want. Uh, that was a point that did not need making uh, over a, position swap that was meaningless uh to him but meant quite a bit to checo and to the team for mm. for no upshot or gain to himself he not only like sort of furthered the narrative that i think does eat at him uh which is that he's he's an asshole uh and people talk about him like he's an asshole uh which which makes him more defensive but it also it also singed some bridges within the team that he doesn't need right now when everything is going well and he just had a dominant like championship victory uh team has a great car it it does not matter this stuff matters when things get harder and next year is going to be a different year let me tell you the temperature got cold for vettel very fast at that team like mm. once like once things began to go away for red bulls there as their era hit hit its limit uh, they they were very they were very quick uh, to to start changing the vibe uh, ar around that team. So it just it seems to me like it was it was such a a huge move for so little upshot. And I don't think you know they've already said we you know they they, they talked it out that they moved on. Of course they will be. Of course they'll help Checo uh, at Abu Dhabi. Uh, you know they're going to move on. And I think that's true. I think the the thing for the, the the thing that like the danger I don't think Max sees is that a dude like Christian Horner thinks in terms of years. And like this stuff is going to linger and at a certain point, you know, when it when it comes time uh to maybe start a new era for Red Bull, if this is who Max is uh, I could see Horner deciding suddenly if there's a if there's a decent prospect in the pipeline, a decent alternative, he'd rather do that. I, I, I think, think that only happens I think, if 
yeah. if he's not performing. Uh, yeah, and I think that's years away. I don't think Max is worried about that in this moment in Interlagos. Like, I think, sure, like, if we step, you know, a couple of years into the future, that might be the case. Um, but I totally agree with what you're saying in that there's no upshot. And that I and I agree. I think Max is not, like, I have said it a couple of times, I really want to like Verstappen, and I do really like him a lot of the time. I, I, I find him charming when he does his stuff on the YouTube channel. I liked watching his streams. Um uh, and I, he has the capacity to just be a complete prick, though. And, like, this was a perfect example where it was completely unforced. But I think, I do think you're right. I think he's bad at this. I think he's bad at PR. I think he has people around him who sort of, like, don't necessarily, like, wrangle him in. And I think most of his, like, the thing that, like, irks me maybe, the only thing that irks me about the responses people have to, like, when folks are aggrieved with Max is this: this is all his own doing. The people think about who think he's too aggressive on track. The incident with Hamilton was a good example of that. He didn't need to overtake. He didn't need to crash into him. He's probably angry at the end of this race because of that. Because he got a five-second penalty for something that he thinks he didn't do anything wrong. And then he sees Hamilton up there getting a podium. And he's back further. And he's just like, he's just an angry little boy. And that's what he comes across as. It's just like this guy, he's not... In those moments, he is still a young driver. And I think... Like, the Perez stuff about Monaco just, like, made me think, like, oh, that's crazy. If everyone still thinks that that's a thing and nobody's saying, like, it's conspiracy or anything, you know, no one in the sort of F1 debriefing, you know, after the show or the commentators were were necessarily say like, they were talking around as if maybe it's not entirely untrue. I can sort of see that being a bigger incident. But, like you said, there was no, there's no upshot to this in terms of his place within the team, PR, his season, it just seemed like a complete pointless decision to make. And like, and like, it creates a stink within the garage. Like, he didn't just piss off Paris, he pissed off half the garage when he did that. Yeah. And probably a bunch of maybe more people, like, like you said, like folks like Horner and everyone else, obviously have to like deal with that. And it was very interesting to see how quickly everyone was like, once they got them in a room, it sounds like they told them to like, shut up like you're all friends we're not talking about this ever again you know don't let this linger because like you said there's no positive repercussion from this and it's just bamboozling like it's it's so disappointing and weird and unnecessary and i don't know why he does this to himself yeah well that kind of overshadows uh a little the amazing result from the perspective of George Russell, who yeah. wins his very first Formula One Grand Prix, followed by his teammate, Lewis Hamilton, and in third place, Carlos Sainz, who holds onto the podium ahead of Charles Leclerc. Uh, in fifth place, Fernando Alonso, followed by Max Verstappen, then Sergio Perez, Esteban Ocon, Valtteri Bottas, and Lance Stroll in 10th. Then we've got Esteban, uh, sorry, Sebastian Vettel. Quick note on that. Sebastian Vettel also came over the radio at the end of the race and said it would have been nice if we'd swapped places. <laughs> and I don't know what that's about because he's not. I I guess he's in a battle in the a little bit in there, but like not really. Like he doesn't really need the point more than Stroll does. I don't think. But it seemed like it was sincere when he said it. I was like, wow, everyone just this is just the new normal now. Is that we just swap yep. we swap everyone around because. I guess everyone yeah. is aggrieved. It's yeah, yes. exactly. No one's happy today. Uh, in twelfth, Zhou Guanyu. Thirteenth, Mick Schumacher. 
14th Pierre Gasly, 15th Alex Albon, then Nicholas Latifi and Yuki Tsunoda. The DNFs were Lando Norris, Kevin Magnussen, and Daniel Ricciardo. Russell, also fastest lap of the race. 1-2. Mercedes 1-2, and Toto Wolff took the weekend off. Yeah, it's true. He uh, he, he FaceTimed with George in the, uh, the cool down. I love Lewis they're like, the he's probably on the phone of... with his parents. Yeah, shows yeah, the I screen. Know. It's Toto. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Toto's never going to show up to a race again. Uh, is is the thing? Like this is. Yeah. Turns out you're the Jinx man. Sorry, you gotta watch. You gotta be like uh, the dude in um, Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah, just watching from the tunnel. <laughs> hey, uh, can, sorry. I'm sorry. I wanted to leave the Verstappen thing uh, aside, but also I want to make it worse. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So, Why not? Poor flames on Nate it. Nate Saunders what... over at ESPN has a piece trying to dig into uh, you know what that was all about, and he gets into the Monaco thing a little bit. But I just want to get. I just want to read this quote. The day after that Monaco race, Verstappen's father, Jos, had been very outspoken, oh, remember. writing remember. a blog on his son's yeah. official website criticizing the team. Quote, Red Bull achieved a good result, but at the same time exerted little influence to help Max at the front. I think 10 points from Max have been thrown away here, especially with the two retirements that we've had. We need every point. Uh, don't forget that Ferrari currently has a better car, especially in qualifying. Uh, later... A, this was recent, a Dutch paper is interviewing Jos again, and they ask what, what he felt was the pivotal uh, moment in his son's second title-winning campaign. Jos says, for me, it was the race in Monaco. That weekend when he got annoyed about how everything was going, uh, it did something to him. After that, there was no measure of him anymore. I do know if Max had had a disappointing race, then he is extra keen to make up for it. But, like, the fact that there's, like... This Yost angle to it too is not great. I didn't realize he's like, I didn't realize his dad is blogging on his website like shit. I Red think Bull? we talked about. I think we talked about that when it happened. I remember that and it being like, man, they're just weird. Like there's wow. just like this Game of Thrones ass nightmare, like, like play that's going on in the background. Which is which? I I don't know. It's clearly yeah. Clearly there's. That's, yeah, the apparatus behind, and this is not necessarily Max's fault. What his dad does is outside of his control. Uh, he's clearly needs to have his password, the WordPress password taken away from him so he can't blog on his site anymore. <laughs> but, but like, and, but, and also like the media apparatus behind Max, he's, you know, he can only be so responsible for, for all that sort of stuff too. But it, it, it is, unless you're on board, it does seem very petty and childish, a lot of this stuff, um, which is, and I think this is maybe the critical part. He doesn't need any of this. Nope. He doesn't need to be doing this. He's the best. He's maybe the best driver, regardless of car right now. Like, I think this year you could easily say that. Even with the Red Bull doing so well, I think he's been the most consistent and best driver this season. Smallness um, like this looks worse when you're doing so well. It does. And yeah. that's, I, and I think that you're right. I think, I think this in particular irks people, certain people the wrong way. And I think we're those people. And when also, you're doing well and you're complaining about it, it, it really irks me. And like, F1, I, I don't F1 understand. does it. not have a ton of little league dads. I think that's the other no, thing. Is exactly. like I think this is just this is just very weird to see because this is an archetype I'm used to, but from like American children's rec sports, right? Not Dutch <laughs> uh, Formula One yeah. uh, royalty or whatever. Yeah, so it's just dis- Yeah, I, I, it's disappointing and lame. And he doesn't need to do it. He's the best driver. He's won the championship. Yeah, he's going to kill it on points. He's 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 stamp. He's last year's in the rearview mirror. Any questions? I think largely. Although we're now going into an Abu Dhabi weekend where the Mercedes seem to be doing well, and the two lads are already 
you know, bumping wheels again. So who knows? Well, before we get there, let's go down the Drivers' Championship. Uh, Max Verstappen, as you said, on top with 429 points. Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez are tied for second place Woo. with 290. Multi-21. <laughs> Sebastian, multi-21. Yeah. Uh, George Russell in fourth with 265. Lewis Hamilton in fifth with 240. Then we've got Carlos Sainz with 234. Uh, Lando Norris, boy, there's a lot that can happen in that top six. Mm. Lando Norris in seventh with 113. Esteban Ocon in eighth with 86. Uh, ninth place, Fernando Alonso with 81. And Valtteri Bottas in 10th with 49. Then we've got Vettel with 36. Ricardo with 35. Uh-huh. Magnussen with 25. Gasly with 23. Lance Strolls in 15th place with 14 points. Schumacher and Sonoda are tied with 12. Joe has six, Albon has four, Nicholas Latifi and Nick DeVries both have two points, and Nico Hulkenberg with zero. But he has a podium. And uh, interesting there, Vettel is one point ahead of Ricardo, um, but it's for 11th, so I don't know why that matters. Hmm. Uh, Constructor standings, Rebel Racing is on top, having secured the championship with 719 points. Ferrari's in second with 524. Mercedes, 505 uh alpine is in fourth with 167 to mclaren's 148 then we jump down to alfa romeo in sixth with 55 points aston martin has 50 gene haas and team have 37 points two ahead of alpha tauri in ninth with 35 and williams has eight danny let's get to abu dhabi abu dhabi ah it's been a while since this was a new track, but it still feels new to me. I don't know why. 2009, it came in. Another Hilkadrome uh, became the sort of de facto end uh, ending race of the year. Um, Interlagos was for, for much of my sort of... Imagine um, if this uh, is how time. the season went out. Just imagine if this had been the end of the oh my God, season. Yeah. The Mwah. dot, dot, dot. Mwah. <laughs> Hey, man, there could be more fireworks ahead. Um, Abu Dhabi was almost built as the sort of final race of the year. It's a part of the world where it's quite difficult to to have races uh, for much of the year because of the heat. Um, but a, a good time of the year for it to, to happen here at the end of November. Uh, they also sort of lean into it with the timing of the race because it happens uh, in the evening time as the sun is setting and the race finishes under the twilight of uh, a very floodlit track and a very beautifully uh, lit sort of Christmas tree of a hotel. Um, it's a pretty fantastic circuit. I've been there myself. Um, I really enjoyed uh, seeing practice there. I did not get to see a full race, um, but it's uh, it's a pretty great little circuit. Uh, 58 laps there, 5.28 kilometers, which is 3.28 miles. Um, so it's uh, sort of a secretly long-ish track, even though it kind of looks like a small little circuit. Um, a lot of this buoyed by a fairly long um, uh, back straight, which uh, is one of two DRS straights. Uh, one of the few tracks of this uh, season that does not have a DRS straight on the start-finish straight. Um, it has one that leads into another one, and both basically sector two is the DRS straight section of the track with both of them there. Um, plenty of places for overtaking here. Um, what did they do last year? They shaved off some of the... I think they sped up turn 15. Isn't that what they did? They turned that into a... They did a, something, but boy, it didn't make damn bit of difference that I could say. No, <laughs> I, I think last year it kind of got overshadowed by... Uh, the took out a chicane. Binning his car. Um... 
they did take out the chicane at the end of sector one into two. You're right. They did. And I think they also shaved off turn 15 um, okay. as well. They've turned that they, into they a bit re- of a high-speed Yeah, there was the big turn. reprofiling. The reprofile it, yeah. Because yeah. it used to be one of those. There was a lot of 90-degree turns on this track, which I think they've sort of um, sped up. So it's a faster lap than it was in the past. Um uh, although it's hilarious, there is often in practice and sometimes in racing, uh, cars forget to take turn uh, two or turn four and end up we're going would go down a straight, uh, which which now they actually go down properly, so it's not really an issue anymore. Um, but yeah, it's 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 usually a relatively benign race in recent years. I don't know why that's been the case. It used to be a bit more racy. Um, but uh, the past few years, apart from sort of last lap incidents, have been pretty quiet. Maybe it's also just a part of it being the last race of the season. And unless the championship's up for grabs or people are conservative if they've got their position, it's hard to tell. But um, I usually like it. I think it's a good send off for the season. Um, and yeah, I think regardless of the track profile, there's a lot of stories that uh, seem like they haven't had their full stop on them. So I'm excited to see what happens. Well, weather-wise, it's not going to be very interesting. Um, 85 and 84 on qualifying and race day in Fahrenheit or 29 uh, in Celsius. Might be a little windy out of the northwest um, on race day, but uh, that's about it. Um, Wait, the weather thing reminds me. Do we feel the sprint race format got a little more vindicated this weekend? Because hear me out. Let me, let, me just, let me just pitch this. Mm-hmm. Having three days where relevant things happen means that's three days where weather can happen and there's craziness mm. as opposed to two. People were like, like, yeah, okay, but the sprint race um, ironed out a lot of the weird wrinkles that the weird qualifying session introduced, which is what tends to happen with sprint races. And they sort of rob us of what would be an exciting opening stint of a race. And I get where that is coming from. But if this had been a normal race weekend, it would have been a dry qualifying and a lot of this magic never happens. And so now, being Mr. Recency Bias, <laughs> I think I'm all in on, on sprints. Give me more of them. But I Just change the calendar so we're in places where it rains. Yes, prioritize places <laughs> where, like, freaky shit can happen. That's, Let's go that's to my, India yes. in, in, like, monsoon season. This is why we have to go back to Malaysia. Yeah, yeah oh brush man. off that Vietnam track that we never got to drive on. They never built it. Oh <laughs> it was a street track. <laughs> it was a scam. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, all right. Well, having read down all the other standings, you can join the standings yourself with our Fantasy League with a link in the show notes. Maybe you want to take place in just one race. Um, from Brazil, here is the top three. We've got... Uh, from Austria, Robert's team, Team 3. From America, Elena's team, Nissan Racing. Ooh. And from Brazil, Gustavo's team, Are You Son of These Moves? Are you son of... Are you son of these moves? Maybe maybe seeing? Are you, seeing, are you, are you seeing, seeing these, these moves? moves? Are you son of the... Mm. All right. Try again. There's always next we'll workshop week. it. Uh, all right, but overall, we've got an all-Canadian podium yet again. Actually, the top six are Canadian. Incredible. Um, from Canada, 
Robert's team, Alpino Noir, Beautiful. sitting in third. Then in second place, Michael's team, Leo Speed, which means in first, Robert's team, Toto Sandbaggins. Those are great names. They are indeed. If you would like to join our fantasy league again, you can use the link in the show notes. You can also send us an email at shift one podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails or hit us up on Twitter at shift one podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Daniel Dwyer and at Rob Zachney for as long as Twitter survives. Uh, that's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world of racing, Danny? Let's race around the way. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. The only non-formula racing series i think that is happening this weekend is the world superbike championship at phillip island uh for the grand ridge brewery australian round uh formula two is supporting formula one this weekend in yas marina for the conclusion everyone will be at least my eyes will be on logan Sargent, who if he gets enough super license points by finishing well in the standings he will have a williams seat next year Mm go america uh <clears throat> but formula one is the only other thing racing this weekend that i could find uh they kick things off friday november 18th uh, at 5 a.m for free practice one eastern time on espn 2 followed by free practice 2 at 8 a.m eastern time on espn news saturday november 19th free practice 3 is at 6 a.m on espn 2 followed by qualifying at 9 a.m eastern on espn news and Sunday, everyone, November 20th, the race kicks off at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2, The Deuce. Love it. Final thoughts ahead of the final race of the season, Danny O'Dwyer. Uh, fun ending to the season. It got a little bit boring in the middle, let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. Um, but uh, things, have gotten, <laughs> things have gotten a little bit lively. Uh, very happy to see K-Mag get a pole. Uh, it was very cool to see Russell be emotional at the end of the race and get a get a race win. He got two wins, but he, got, of course, got the more important Grand Prix victory. Um, so kind of a feel-good factor, I think, for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, championship-wise, this was done and dusted a long time ago. Frank, or Frank, <laughs> Frank first happened. Max, <laughs> Max, Frank's brother. Max's brother. Frank, <laughs> Max really... Um, Deserved it, uh, and uh, but I will say it is exciting to see the uh, at least somebody compete with them. Uh, you know, Mercedes coming back. I'm not sure I would have said that was very exciting <laughs> if you had asked me a year ago. Um, I would like to see Ferrari figure it themselves out, though, because, you know, just the races where we have six drivers up there having fights are the ones that are the best. Um, and Interlagos sometimes adds that little bit of spice that we don't enjoy for the rest of the season. Maybe makes the racing look a bit, a little bit better than it is, but um, I'm, I'm already looking towards next year and hoping we get a, a tighter field so we can see these drivers race at their very best. Indeed. Final thoughts, Rob. Yeah, there's a lot of good feel good stuff. There was a lot of exciting stuff. I felt bad for, uh magnuson not getting to uh drive the, drive that race but i am uh i'm very curious if if what appears to be a pretty much done deal from from how people are teasing it that hulkenberg's going to be announced for that car uh at, at at abu dhabi uh that's kind of a interesting driver lineup uh next year given the, it's like the old man's poisoned chemistry version of uh gasly and ocon uh to, to have it those is, two sort right. of paired up together uh at, at this point 
Um, it's it's very funny uh, that it that it goes the the that it's ultimately uh, gone this way, and that Hulkenberg's ticket back to F one is going to be uh, Gunther Steiner. Uh, I guess the the last point I'd make is, uh, guys, think of the points, the points. I beg you, think of the points. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, we we completely forgot to mention that uh, Autosport is claiming that um, uh, Nico Hulkenberg will be the driver signed by Haas. Uh, Haas has said that they will announce this week, so probably before this podcast goes up, uh, they'll announce it. Just just as is the way. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But. Uh, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. The championship. Think of the championship. The championship.